today from the broadcast archives of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio 360. This is the program where we deal with some serious issues as well as some lighthearted or encouraging stories. You know, this past two weeks really have not been all that lighthearted. There's been a lot of heavy things going on in the world. And we are going to tackle the issue of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict pretty soon because we have a lot of roots in our ministry with other ministries that have been deeply embedded with both people groups in a very compressed area. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot to say that I think is going to be very valuable to us as we pray mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. But we need to get some more information in, so we're going to let that one rest for a week or so. But the story that we did plan for for this week has very similar and deep roots having to do with freedom of speech and conscience, freedom to learn, to grow, to flourish, and the rights of humans in societies that are different than ours. Yeah. And that story has to do with the Taliban taking over Afghanistan again and what's happened to the rights of women and girls. Yeah, we've heard a lot of things in the news in the last couple of years about what's been going on in Afghanistan and the things that are happening to the women there that are just heartbreaking. Yeah. When you see what happened after the Taliban left post-1996 and when the U.S. Army and other people came in and took over the country, drove the Taliban out, and the freedoms that the people of Afghanistan enjoyed until the U.S. left in 2021. Yeah. We have always used this particular Friday program to pivot back around again to a spiritual focus, Mm -hmm. not just because it's true, but because we're trying to pick scriptures that actually have some positive potential in our lives to call us to some kind of action that would start with the spiritual work within us that would flow out to good works from us. Whether it's a feel-good story of somebody in a small town making a difference in the life of somebody who needed encouragement, or whether it's something as serious and as unnerving as what's going on in in the Middle East right now, Mm -hmm. we do, in fact, want to end up in a place where the Scripture itself affects us in a way that really does change our perspective and changes our choices for the kingdom and believes and gains hope from the scripture that God will, in fact, change things. Yeah. Kenny, since we've been doing Compassion Radio 360 programs, I have begun to look at the news differently. Hmm. I read the stories in the news that come up, the good news, bad news, with a little bit different perspective. I just always want to ask God what he wants me to know about Mm -hmm. it. This particular programming that we do on Fridays is one that I especially look to see where God's heart is Mm -hmm. in the story that we are presenting to our listeners. And the story always when we do these broadcasts is on our website. You'll have a link to go read it for yourself or see the video that corresponds with what we're talking about. We encourage you to reach through our website to see what's happening in the world on these issues so that you can process them yourself. You can pray the way God leads you to pray for these things. You can act in ways you believe God's calling you to act. And that's always available on CompassionRadio.com. So the story today is about girls who have lost the right to be educated. Again. Again, yeah, this is a story about some very brave young women who are walking bravely, as I like to say, pursuing their dreams that they've been robbed of. And the story is primarily a gal. They, they're calling her Parasto Hakim. That's not her real name, yeah. but that's what she's called in the story. She decided to start an underground school for girls when the Taliban returned. And why was it necessary? Because the Taliban made promises to the West that, no, nothing will change about education in the country again when we come to power. Mm -hmm. When they come to power, immediately they went back to the same old rules they had going in the early 90s, which prevented any girl beyond the age of, I don't know, like eight from having any education in a public setting 
ever. Yeah. It was going to become the responsibility and the privilege of the family and the family alone to decide how they might choose to educate their women if they wanted to. And beyond that, there was absolutely no expectation that girls and women would ever have the opportunities to get outside the home. The idea, again, of course, is culturally to imprison women. Well, even things like beauty shops, yeah, all um, that closed, ca- cafes, all the kind of things that women would gather in, even social groups were shut down. Yeah. So they were unable to gather at all. When I get together with some of my friends and we have coffee and I have a, a group of girls and we go on girls trips together once a year, it's such a great honor and privilege to be able to spend time with women just learning from each other and encouraging each other, laughing together. I think it's really important. We learn so much from other women. I learned so much about being a mom, about being a wife, about being a friend, about myself when I could gather together with other women. The gals in Afghanistan have lost that privilege and have lost their ability to communicate with one another. That it was even considered a privilege to me is just maddening. This is human rights. This is about being a human being. Mm -hmm. It's having the ability to socialize, to build community, to become part of something, to make choices. Mm -hmm. It just seems so fundamental to humanity. Yeah. And I got to say again, we've said this a number of different ways over the years. The issue with the Taliban in Afghanistan is not an issue of Christian versus Muslim. The Taliban are not a branch. They are a hate group mm-hmm. that has indoctrinated young men, especially, and taken them to madrasas and taught them everything but their own values. There are values within Islam that are demanded of imams that they teach their people. The Taliban has stripped that away. So they don't even have the form or the substance of the religion. They've stripped all that away and just left them with hate. Yeah. I'm not making any justification for what the Taliban does. I'm not making any justification for the way we have to war against the Taliban. Evil's going on here. I'm also not making an appeal for you all to say, oh, Islam is perfect. What I'm trying to say is that Islam and Taliban are not the same thing. In the same way that right now Israel is dealing with Hamas. Hamas is not Islam. I'm not saying Islam is great or that I believe everything it believes. I'm simply saying that hate groups exist. When people in the Middle East look at America, they often ask us when we travel in these places, oh, are you one of those Nazis in America? What do you mean by Nazis in America? Well, you have them. They literally have them in America. And we know we do. Mm -hmm. We say, no, I I follow Christ. So all Christians are Nazis. They believe this because Mm -hmm. they're taught that and because they see plenty of evidence of hate speech and hate actions happening in our own country against people who are Muslim. Right. Just to hammer that one home today, we're talking about the innocence of children, the rights of women, the rights of young girls to be educated, and those who take risks to give them their human rights, even when others would want to strip them of them. Mm -hmm. So that's the core of our story. Right. Right. Let's talk more about what they're doing to educate girls right now. When Paristo Hakim watched the news and the Taliban says, nothing's going to change. Everything will be the same now that we're back and ruling the country. Women don't need to worry about anything. They'll still enjoy rights and the abilities to do things. She didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. She thought, no, they said that before. And even though she wasn't alive when they came before, she heard the stories of what happened when the Taliban was there in 1996 and beyond. She set in her mind to do something about it. 
She said, I've got to continue to educate young women. I've got to make a way for them to learn and to keep them growing and becoming who they dream to be. So she contacted a friend of hers who had been an educator and said, I have the tools, I have the supplies and all of the equipment that we need. I just need your help to implement this. And the gal Inside of Afghanistan. Inside of Afghanistan. And the gal's name was Miriam, also not her real name. She said, I'm in. I'm 100% want to help you with this. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? So they began to search and find a place. And with the help of men in their family, their brothers and fathers supporting them in this, began to find a place that they could educate these young girls. Word began to go out in their community, in their immediate area, friends and family that they trusted. I think this is important too, because the first time around when girls were allowed to be educated, there were very strict rules, even before the Taliban took over Afghanistan for segregation of the sexes for education. What we're hearing now is an upwelling of a new generation of young men and fathers, Mm. families that are saying, no, our girls are worth something. They're important and they deserve a chance. And they are working with the women, their wives, their daughters, to find a way to educate the girls. This is a big change in the society. So if there's anything positive I see about this generational shift and the dangers they're facing now is that millions of Afghanistan's men are rising up now to support this movement. Mm -hmm. That's a big shift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's called SRAK. Hakim operates this clandestine network of schools, and it is a network across eight provinces of Afghanistan. There's over 400 girls that attend these classes with the help of 150 brave teachers and Mm -hmm. staff members. And all of these are women. She is providing resources somehow. She's working, doesn't really say. Somehow the girls show up with notebooks and pens and pencils, and they're able to learn in these classes. She teaches them English, science, history, also skills that can help them earn a living, beauty stuff, you know, hair and makeup, and also teaches them sewing and things like that that are practical skills and cooking. Right. And they're also choosing those skills because even within the framework of a Taliban-run society, those are skills that are still needed. There are still people who are allowed to sew and cook and other things outside of the home. They also have bigger ambitions. They want them to learn things beyond Mm-hmm. just essential home skills. But this is a start. So if they can have a marketable skill, then someday they might be able to step beyond that and develop other skills that are marketable in the world at large and hopefully bring modernity back to Afghanistan someday. Well, that is their hope. And speaking of hope, there's a lot of hope in these young women. They talked to a couple of the gals that attend these schools. She said, I hope someday to become a famous fashion designer. The sewing <laughs> class is going to help me do that. Yeah. And another one said, I hope someday to become an engineer. Mm. The science class is going to help me do that. They're hopeful that their lives won't always be lived in these dark corners and basements, locked in their own homes. They said, I felt depressed and sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm just 14. Mm. And yet now I have hope that something good will come from this. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. 
Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. There's a lot of hope in these young women. They talked to a couple of the gals that attend these schools. She said, I hope someday to become a famous fashion designer. The sewing class is going to help me do that. Yeah. And another one said, I hope someday to become an engineer. Mm. The science class is going to help me do that. They're hopeful that their lives won't always be lived in these dark corners and yeah. basements locked in their own homes. They said, I felt depressed and sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm just 14. Mm. And yet, now I have hope that something good will come from this. I know that it's unsafe for me. I know that my life could be in danger, but I have hope. And hope will tug you along to do some very brave things. Yes, it will. Yeah. I want to dial the calendar back a few years. Even before 9-11, there was beginnings of things opening up there. Mm -hmm. Then we find out after 9-11 that they refused to back down from sheltering terrorists. And that changed the world. And it seems like in our generation, everything is pegged on 9-11. That's where everything changed. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, it did. But much more profoundly for the lives of young people in Afghanistan. It wasn't long after the U.S. decided to engage not just the Taliban, but Al-Qaeda terrorists that were hiding in their territories that the first fall happened. The networks of communication were destroyed and the Taliban technically fell and the American military moved in quickly. Everything was up for grabs at that point. Not very long after that, Norman Shear Nelson of this ministry got into Afghanistan to see what could be done immediately on behalf of believers in the West to take care of those hidden pockets of people who were going to be left behind mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. And they focused on young girls and schools. During that next year, after Afghanistan was occupied by the U.S., they traveled around. They got to know the imams in different towns. They got to know the warlords in different areas. They became friends with people in all parts of the country that enabled them to make plans for reopening schools and doing something different. In fact, the very first thing they did with this ministry was to have a Advent in Afghanistan mm-hmm. celebration where they literally sent a troop of people over yeah. to do medical clinics and to do a whole cultural exchange thing and introduce the concept of Christmas during December. Yeah. And they had these Advent in Afghanistan celebrations throughout all of the northern part of Afghanistan during that first year. And they made plans to follow up over the next few years in the southern territories. It went stellar mm-hmm. because at the end of each one of those Advent in Afghanistan celebrations, a school was planted. Yeah. And girls were learning for the first time. And we were recruiting people from the U.S. to go there actually teaching these schools and to mentor other teachers. That was part of the legacy of Compassionate Radio. And I'm very proud that it is part of our history. Yeah. It also is a sad tale because it wasn't long before the Taliban caught wind. And when they started seeing that these girls were going back to school, they declared war on schools. Yeah. Even while they were out of power. 
So during all those years, even the schools that we helped to open had to go underground. Finally, again, it came back out in the open when the Republic was set up under the tutelage of the American ambassador and military. And that went on for another dozen years. Mm -hmm. And then that all collapsed when the government collapsed again. And now we're back in that full cycle. And now we have girls sitting there saying, I had lost hope. And now I have hope because I'm learning something. We heard those same words 22 years ago. Yeah. My passion is, of course, to see the seed not die before it's even planted. Yeah. I want to see it grow again. I want to see it take root in ways that get stronger every generation, no matter how many times things like the Taliban come back to attack human rights and attack Afghan girls. I want to see them rise again. Mm -hmm. That's my passion. Yeah. So how is the project going this time? Well, it's going incredibly well. They're tenacious enough to just push on and continue. A young gal, they're calling her Fatima said, I was sitting at home doing nothing. Felt like I was a burden to my family. I wasn't contributing anything. Mm. I wanted an education. And when we heard about this opportunity, my parents encouraged me to be brave and to do this. She's doing it. She's 14. She's doing this. She's following a passion. She's following her dream. She said, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I know that education is going to help me figure that out. And these are young gals that could be killed yes. for what they're doing. There are different degrees of persecution in different parts of the country, even now. But it is not unlikely that if someone was caught in a school, that they could be beaten, mm-hmm. dragged out, and prosecuted by the local authorities, and even beaten again publicly, and perhaps even stoned, perhaps even killed. Mm-hmm. All that's possible. At the very least, girls who are caught learning things they shouldn't be learning, quote unquote, could have their hair cut off. Mm -hmm. They could have their clothes ripped off. They could be sent home naked. That's the kind of shaming that is happening with the Talib Mm -hmm. against women who dare to rise to the level of understanding or knowledge. So, yeah, they're taking some serious risks here. There is a story within this article that says there was a knock at the front gates. Mm. Hakim scanned the classroom to see if someone was missing. She thought everyone was there, and sure enough, they were. Mm. It could only be the Taliban, she said. So she was terrified. Her heart was pounding, and she opened the door to find at least five members of this militant group demanding to see if she was breaking any rules. And, of course, she was. Mm. So they barged in and they started to question the girls. Well, the school's safety protocols are if something happens, you put your head down, you cover your face, and you do not look at these men in the eye. You Mm. do not respond to them. She says, I will talk to them. I will be the one to take the questions. So yelling at the girls, the girls wouldn't answer. They wouldn't respond. They followed these protocols. And I'm sure they were terrified. You would have to be. These men carrying weapons and screaming at you, knowing how powerful they were. She said they tried to bribe the girls into Mm -hmm. talking. We'll do this. We promise this or that. But they remained silent because it was so important to them. Then they were shouting at her, screaming in her face and tried to intimidate her and, and trying to scare the girls into talking because their intimidation to Hakim. And the girls remained silent. Mm -hmm. And finally, frustrated, they left. What bravery. Yeah. What amazing courage. That seems to be a very modern echo to what Jesus did mm-hmm. standing before Pilate. Yeah. We wonder what his motivation was or why he wouldn't speak up for himself. We just know he remains silent. I think it's exactly this. He was following the spirit of his father. If father says don't speak, you don't speak. Not because Jesus did not have things to say. After all, he's a preacher. 
but because in that moment what's required is to let the Father do His work and to be obedient to the will of the one who has given you the charge to do what you do. I think the respect that these young girls had for their teacher was so great. Mm-hmm. That obedience seemed like the least cost for them. And when it comes to danger, it certainly was. Their obedience somehow was actually rewarded by God mm-hmm. and that they were not harmed that day. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about you, honey, but reading through this story was gut-wrenching for me. But also reading the words of these young women and the teachers gave me such hope for what is possible when we really believe in what we're doing. Yeah. And we're willing to lay our lives on the line for it. Yeah. No, I'm not asking people who are hearing this program to go take an airplane to Afghanistan and throw yourself at the mercy of the Taliban to try to reach the girls. Because we wouldn't even know where to start right now because there's so few contacts that the church in the West has with those who are working underground in Afghanistan right now to help the girls. But those conversations are happening and we are trying to track them. And as we learn more about them, we'll try to bring that news to you. Mm -hmm. There's a quote in this article from one of the girls and she says, There is a power stronger than fear. That is our hope for the future. I'm scared. I experience fear at every moment. But at the same time, I move on with the hope that tomorrow will be better. So I would ask you, honey, how do we start with praying for those who need that hope? And how do we pray that that hope that God places in their hearts that we're praying for would bear fruit, that it would not be a disappointment, that it would not lead to desperation and despair? Mm. How do we start? Wow. That's a tall order. But is anything too hard for God? Mm. When we know that he has a plan for a future and a hope, when he has plans to bring about his best in our lives, we can trust that those prayers will be heard and his purposes will be accomplished. I don't think there's anything better than that. That leads me right to Romans eight twenty six and 27. In the same way, in other words, praying fervently, the Spirit helps us when we're weak. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's Romans eight twenty six and 27. Can you not see that these innocent here, these young girls that have hope, they're appealing, literally hoping for something that is invisible, they're appealing to a higher authority. Mm-hmm. They're calling out to God. Mm-hmm. I think the least we can do as followers of Jesus is say, God, show me what we need to pray for for them. And if that prayer is like the Spirit's prayer of saying, I have no idea what to say, but I'll just stay here. I'll sit here in this place, and I'll just be with you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you lead me to do, Lord, I'll do. If you want me to pray a prayer, I'll pray a prayer. If you want me to sing a song, I'll sing a song. You want me to lay on my face and just pour out some anger or some other emotion. Lord, I'm willing. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And we have to have a vision, don't we, for something worth hoping for. So I do pray that God puts into the hearts of these teachers and these young girls in Afghanistan a vision for what can be in them. And therefore, it's worth hanging on to. And that God would preserve them for that day, that they'd be able to actually experience it, to see it come to life. That some of these girls don't just become seamstresses, but 
like the first one you mentioned said, I want to be a fashion designer. I want to go to the next level. Yeah. I don't want to be just a home economics major. I want to be able to be an engineer in society and help other people build their homes. I mean, what is it about the kind of dreams that God can put in us that outstrips our own first thoughts and our first ideas of what we're capable of? God calls us to things that we would never have imagined had we not first thought, I need to ask. I need to put it on the table and say, God, what do you think about this idea? These girls are taking big risks, no doubt about that. But they're also going to become mothers someday. No matter where they end up, they're going to be speaking life into the girls of the next generation and the boys. Mm -hmm. This is where the Taliban is defeated. When mothers believe that we are called to something higher than what we've experienced this generation. And they speak into their children real hope. Mm. Friends, this is really the only way to win wars like this. Real hope only comes from God. It's not a false hope. It's not a mockery of truth. When we actually pray for things that God puts in our hearts to pray for, it's God's economy on the line here. How God works it out is his job. But we are to be obedient in the thing he calls us to do. And the first thing he always calls us to do is pray. Mm. So... On that note, we'll wrap up this Compassion Radio 360. The article is on the website at CompassionRadio.com. Click that link and read the story that's behind this broadcast today. And pray for those in all parts of the world who are suffering injustice because others have turned to hate instead of hope. We'll talk more about that on next week's Compassion Radio 360. And we'll see you next Monday for the next Compassion Radio. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.